Hi, friends. Welcome to The Butter Dish. Before we dive in today's episode, just wanted to thank you and take a moment for being here with us at The Butter Dish. Heidi and I kind of can't believe that we've got a podcast, but whether it's episode one you're joining us for or 31, we are incredibly grateful for your open-mindedness, your patience with us, as well as your willingness to evolve and change the way that you think or consider the way that you think. So without further ado, we want to introduce you to episode 31 with our friend Amber Brzezicki of Biceps After Babies, where we talk all about quitting. Enjoy the episode. Hey there. Welcome to The Butter Dish. I'm Heidi Bollard. And I'm Natalie Delaney. And who are we hanging out with today, Heidi? <laughs> today we have Lynn Jimenez of Connect Flow Grow. She, connect, let me say that again, Connect Flow Grow. Say that three times fast. Okay. <laughs> she is a licensed clinical social worker and she is a, she has a stress management coaching program. My goodness, it's Monday. It's fine. Lynn, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey. Uh, okay. So yes, I'm a licensed clinical social worker. So I am a therapist. I'm a licensed therapist. Um, but my program really is designed. So yes, it's stress management, but I like to think of it as just foundational tools that we all need. Um, people think about stress and they think of it, they put it in this sort of vacuum of an experience of, you know, I just can't handle my life or, you know, I can't handle deadlines at work or my crappy boss, but it's more than that. There's a physiological response and stress is any sort of emotional response. So your emotional response, your mood is a stressor, which then causes you stress. So we all have stress. Stress is actually really healthy in small tolerable doses. It helps us build our capacity to manage more stress. And hopefully you want to grow and continue to challenge yourself. And that's how you do it by experiencing stress. Uh, Heidi, Natalie, and I all work out together. And so we're constantly stressing our bodies, trying to grow um, muscles and just uh, gain new skills. And so those are healthy stressors. So what you're saying is you want, you teach people to connect flow and grow. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny when I first started, I actually, the business started, I wanted to teach, I wanted to work with families and because I came from an education background um, and the goal was to work with parents, to teach them how to teach their kids wellness uh, principles. So how do we, because we were teaching kids in schools, uh, we kind of teach parents, but we weren't really giving parents the tools that they needed to teach their kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm very much um, like what drives my clinical practice is attachment theory and relationships and community. So all of that is really important to me. And I just saw these gaps that we weren't doing a good job. So the business really was about like getting people to connect um, because of my yoga background. And then it was, that was the flow part. And then ultimately we grow it like in ourselves and with each other. Um, and I've sort of, it's always been about stress management, but then I realized during the pandemic that the adults needed the help before they could give <laughs> the kids, right? It's like put the oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on the person next to you. And so I kind of switched and that has been taking off or eventually we'll get back to working with kids and we still have those programs or I still have those programs. And it was, um, really pivotal in keeping my family, uh, intact and just really helping us navigate when, uh, my boy's father and I, or my boy's father and I yeah, divorced. Mm -hmm. Um, but everything that I teach, right. Even the 21 day program is really the tools that I use. What is that old hair club? I mean, not your hair person was the guy like, 
I'm not oh, only like hair for men or something. Yeah. So like lit, I'm not only the founder of the show. Oh yeah. I'm not myself. But it's such a great point to make though, actually, because it's like as parents, you know, we if we are getting more healed and managing ourselves better, obviously there's a there's a domino effect, right? You can't give what you don't have. You can't teach what you don't know. So I love that. We're the two biggest places that we experience. Well, I guess three biggest, biggest stressors in relationships are parenting and marriage. Like hard and people (laughs) don't talk about that enough. Like it's really challenging. And I think it's such a disservice that we do to each other. Yeah. Like it's, it's a lot of work. It's not like, it's not rainbows and unicorns. I mean, sometimes it is, but there's, there's, it's a lot of like just grinding through daily moments in life often. And well, the ironic part is if you cut yourself off from the difficulty, you cut yourself off from the rainbows and unicorns. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, so what a lot of people do is they just get like hyper controlling and very rigid in thinking about stress and their feelings. Right. It's like, well, if I just work out every day and I just don't feel right. And they, there's all these bypassing things that we do, Mm. but if I just don't feel this much, or I don't let myself get stressed and I just avoid these difficult things, then I'm okay. But just like you said, Heidi, but then you're also avoiding the expansiveness of all the good things because you're just hyper-controlling for everything. So feel the lows so that way you can feel the freaking highs. Gosh, I love that so much. And I love what you said about bypassing because in my mind, I think how many people use weight loss as like a stress management skill. Oh, 100%. And the irony is like, it's almost just the opposite. It's like literally a stressor on your body, but like by all means, let's add more stress to our bodies to try to get rid of our stress through weight loss. Oh, totally. Or like that question you just asked in stories about like how I feel my best at this weight. So meaning like my... I'm excited for you to teach us about the stress thermometer. Maybe I'm not yeah. even right, but it's like the scale is yeah. like your stress, you know, your stress thermometer. If you see the right number, then you're okay. But, you know, hyper-focusing on that as a way to try to control your emotions. I mean, yep. I heard a quote one time that people that can't control their own emotions try to control their environment or other people. Yeah. yeah. So as your stress goes up, as your stress goes up, that is... It, it's just uh, naturally occurring. Sorry, I'm like, coffee's not like actually oh, listening in it's yet. Monday. It's fine. It's Monday. <laughs> so as your stress goes up, we, we go towards more reflexive behaviors and we get more rigid, more controlling. And it's just, it's not anything's wrong with any of us. So I think what a lot of people think about in considering stress and stress management is something's wrong with me if I can't handle this, right? Like I have to be able to handle all these pieces. And so they think they're deficient and none of us are deficient. There's some basic physiological processes at play here. And there's a lot that none of us were taught. Like none of us were given a one-on-one course on how to handle emotions. Like I was, I'm a, I'm a therapist and half this stuff, I didn't even know I was not teaching my clients. And so I look back and I'm like, damn, like that client would have been better off had I had this information. And it's just part of the process. But um, it's, none of us were given like the foundational knowledge that we needed. Yeah. Well, I I think what you said was so, (laughs) we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. (laughs) I think what I love so much about what you just said, because it it fully just like 
kind of like what was like a whoa moment for me. It's like, we believe that stress management is working through our stress as opposed to like, like, oh, I can manage my stress because I can do all these things. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, yeah. that's not what stress yes. management means. Like we think that if I'm stressed, but I can manage these things under my stress umbrella then and it's I'm, managed, and it's managed <laughs> versus it actually be like, right. Oh my gosh. Like, so true. It's like, we don't yeah. think of it the, the actual real way, which is like, no, 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 no. We don't want to get to that point where you're yeah. white knuckling it the whole time. Yeah. Yes. But like, we're so crazy with like what we believe, like stress management means that I can manage all the things that I'm stressed about. It's like, no, yep. totally. Yes. Like, like if I, if I can keep myself from putting that one more straw on and breaking the back, then that means I'm, ma- I've yeah. managed. I'm managing and, and I'm yeah. successful. And so then therefore I'm not really stressed because I've been able to manage it. It's like, Oh my gosh, we're crazy. So Lynn, how do we know we're stressed? Yes. Yeah. That's a great question. So, um, so we'll get into the stress thermometer because I think it'll answer, it'll, it'll cast the widest net and then people will have to figure out and how to plug into into this activity, um, what works for them. Do you guys have paper and a pen? You guys do, right? Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to walk you through how I would do this. It's part of my 21 day program. I go into it. Um, that was 100% a shameless plug. I go into a bar, but this (laughs) is going to give you, this is going to give you a really good idea. And every time I do this, I do it in my, my therapy groups. I've done it myself, like probably a hundred times. I learn more about myself and the more that I do it. So this isn't like a one and done situation. It's do it often and then eventually you'll start observing yourself in a new way, but it's a great way of getting things started. Um, okay. So what you're going to do is just draw a vertical line. So an up and down line on a piece of paper. And everybody and every- get a piece of paper and pen and do this. Yeah. I'm yeah, not going to do it. Yes. <laughs> hit, hit pause if you need to. Okay. So you're going to draw your line. If you want to make it look like a thermometer, you totally can. But every time I draw it, it looks very phallic. So I just, <laughs> <laughs> I stopped drawing them all together. Like I don't draw rocket ships. There's a lot of things I don't draw because they just look like penises. <laughs> there we go. And <laughs> no, we don't need to stress yeah, around yeah. that. <laughs> no, 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 no. In so many different ways. Okay. So at the top of your thermometer, you're going to write 10 and at the bottom. So at the top of your line, you're going to write 10. And at the bottom of your line, you'll write a zero and then zero equals calm. So you can write calm next to your zero and 10 is going to be whatever you, however you describe your 10 of stress. So stress is a very generic umbrella term for, um, you can call it anything. So it can look like anxiety, rage, depression, overwhelm, shut down, crying my face off. It does not have to be an emotional word. It can be a phrase, like describe it in a way that makes sense to you. This is your tool. It doesn't need to be, it doesn't make sense, need to make sense to anybody else. I love that you said those descriptive words because in my mind, when I think of stress, I think of it's like, ah, right. Like it's always mm-hmm. like a, like a, yep. it's like more of like an angry feeling, mm-hmm. but the fact that like, stress can be crying and sadness and yes like, it's yeah. shut down. And shut down. It's mm-hmm. like, it doesn't, it's like almost like you don't, cause in our mind, we're like, no, that's being, you're sad. <laughs> totally. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. I immediately think of anxiety. I don't necessarily think yeah, of it's, being, it's more of like, super a, it's more of like a steam red feeling. Yep. Yep. versus like a like when the thermometer <laughs> yeah, explodes in cartoons yeah, exactly yeah. exactly or like a warhead yeah yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. totally <laughs> so this is the important thing well I'll, i'm gonna we're gonna kind of we'll, we'll get to finishing this activity but important things to note is stress is very subjective we all experience it differently and our the intensity to which we experience stress is based on a couple different things so how much we think we have control over the situation um how much we are able to predict predict it and how intense it is. So different stressors are going to hit different people differently. 
And uh, there is no universal experience except for that we all experience stress. There's essentially two pathways that people take when they experience stress. It's either a hyper arousal. So you can think of it like anxiety. It's an activation of the stress response system and you feel activated. So you might be irritable, uh, restless, but sort of in that like fight or flight or anxious sort of pathway. It does not have to be um, fight or flight. It can just be a longer continuum. The other pathway is hypoarousal. So it's shut down. It's, you can think of this like depression in extreme cases, uh, freeze, dissociation, um, self-induced coma. It can be very um, effective in preventing you from experiencing psychological or physiological pain, but we're not made to like, we haven't adapted to move out of those states very easily, but those are sort of the two pathways. So again, it doesn't have to be clinical depression, a clinical trauma response. It could just be like, I'm kind of tired and overwhelmed. A lot of people vacillate between those two experiences and don't ever actually get to calm. So they're just like anxious, depressed, or anxious, shut down, anxious, shut down, anxious, shut down, never actually like calm, relaxed. So that was me until about 35. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, me too. I was like anxious for like 10 years to like one day I was like, oh my God, I don't have, my chest isn't tight and my heart isn't racing. Who am I? It's like, I didn't even know myself anymore. Okay. So we got all that out of the way. So two other definitions just to help us and then we'll get into the thermometer is the stressor is the thing that causes you stress. It can come from outside of you or from inside of you. So it could be things like your relationships, um, uh, work, environmental conditions. Um, so if you live in a, a community that's dangerous, uh, maybe it's smoggy, it's too hot, it's too cold. You know, I'm like Goldilocks. Last week was way too much for me. This week oh is my perfect. Gosh, right? <laughs> <laughs> that, year off my a solar flare or whatever was happening was like, uh, it was, was like a literal thermometer. It. It's like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And like, I am grouch. Like, so, and it can also come from within you. So internal states, like, uh, my kids love to call me grouchy mommy when I haven't slept because I truly am a little just on edge when I am sleep deprived, um, uh, hunger, um, any sort of other homeostatic balance that is out of balance can drive, can be a stressor, your mood, um, pain, chronic illness. So all of those things, can chronic under eating. Can we throw that chronic, one in there? Yes. Hunger. Yes. Hunger. Totally. For sure. And just, and not nourishing your body, right? Like when I'm stressed, I eat a ton of freaking sugary foods. Like, uh, give me all your Halloween candy, kids. And, and but my body gets irritated. I'm inflamed. I don't want to work out. My sleep is off. Like, it just sets off a whole cascade of a bunch of problems that I don't want to deal with. Totally. As if I need it anymore. <laughs> right? But I totally, I totally agree with you. I think physical symptoms a lot of times prompt, you know, there's a kind of like you were talking about vacillating between those two states, I think physical yeah. symptoms and then the meaning we give to them like, Oh, I'm so tired. Oh, I'm so worthless. Oh, blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. Like, I think um, just or even just low blood, far. yeah, low blood sugar. Oh, I'm so bummed. Like I'm going to shut down instead of eat or those kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe take care of your internal states and then see yeah. where your stress lines up. Okay. So back to the thermometer. Okay. So now that you have zero is calm. 10 is whatever your variation of intense stresses. Now you can either, you can do it a couple ways. You can go one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, and make little hash marks all the way up. I would say if you are, have done this a couple of times, that's a great way of doing it. But for the purposes of this, we'll just go sort of make two lines. So cut it, your thermometer in thirds. So roughly zero to three, four to six range, and then like seven to 10. So you'll go low, medium, and high stress. On the right of your page, 
you are going to write, describe each of those levels with what do you think when you're there? So what thoughts are going through your head or are your thoughts mostly negative? Are they positive? Um, so it can be the quality of them, the content, um, whether there's a lot of them or very few. Your, um, your other words that you describe emotional states associated with that level. Behaviors that you engage in when you're at that level. So are you uh, kind of do you pace? Are you, is your leg shaking? Um, do you avoid tasks? And then sensations in the body. Uh, so do you start feeling muscle tension? Is your jaw clenched? Is your heart racing? Is your chest tight? Is your tummy upset? How do you know when you're at that high, medium, and low state? Mm. So you'll write all of that down for yourself. Um, the first time you go through it, it's very common to have some gaps or to be like, or to have the experience of like, all right, I know my medium really well and my high, but I don't know what calm looks like. I don't, I haven't been there in a long time. Um, so calm, especially might be, you might describe it in the absence of, so that zero to three range. I, my brain wouldn't be foggy. I'd feel organized. Uh, my sleep wouldn't be impaired. Um, I wouldn't have the muscle tension. So you might kind of describe it in, in the, that, in those terms. I love what you call it. You call it comnesia. Can you talk about comnesia? <laughs> yes. I that was the- okay. Yes. So I, it's a term that I created, obviously. The dictionary can ask me for my permission to use it. <laughs> but I cannot tell you how many freaking times um, I work with somebody and I do this activity and they're like, uh, uh, I'm not very stressed. Or I yeah, maybe I have a little bit of stress. And then they do this and they're like, huh, I think I'm at a five or six daily. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. What are you going to do to move down that scale? Because five to six is even that four to six range. That moderate range is a range that we want to be in for a short period of time. And then we want to move ourselves back down. And it's very surprising because how many of us are ambitious? We've been driven towards like doing all the things right. Uh, You know, we're all moms and we're all the three of us are business owners. And so we have this like hustle and drive in us. And so it gets very, um, the waters get very murky. It's hard to figure out like what is good stress and where have I kind of gone over that edge? And I can't tell anybody what it is unless they start telling me all the ways that they're challenged, right? So like uh, for me, it was, I was yelling at my kids too many times. Um, I had just this like constant sensation in my body that I didn't like the racing heart and the tightening of the chest. Um, my sleep, when it gets disturbed for long periods of time, I'm not happy when I, I don't want to be around other people. I'm kind of short with other people. So when other areas of our life are impaired, that's when we need to start looking at something needs to change. I mean, there's no reason why we need to have these long bouts of sort of dysfunction or unhappiness. I mean, it's, we were talking, you know, a little bit earlier about how sometimes we wear this as a badge of honor of like, oh, I'm so busy. And like, how much is hustle and grind culture contributing to this where it's like, oh, I, I only slept four hours of sleep and I'm pumping myself up with caffeine and like energy drinks to make it through the day and look at everything I have accomplished. But at what cost? Like, we really have to look at what are we, what is the trade off here? And is it worth it? And is there not another way? Because I think what happens when we have high stress is we get very linear in our focus of, I just have to do it this way. This is the only way this is like, it's like one track mind. And when we can calm ourselves down, when we get back to that place of calm, now we're able to see all the possibilities mm-hmm. again. 
But if you haven't been there, then it's, it's almost like you forget that it even exists. And so that's kind of where that comnesia came from. Like most of my clients are like, whoa, I'm kind of at this four or five. And I'm like, okay, do you know what zero to three looks like? Nope. I'm like, cool. Then you just get to play with it, explore it, try and figure out how you're going to move back to that state and do the best you can. Because a goal with this thermometer, sorry, go ahead. No, isn't it incredible? And how that is how all or nothing thinking shows up, mm-hmm. right? When you can only think you can do it this one way because of yeah, your yeah. layers of stress that you're not addressing. Yeah. All of a sudden it's like, well, I either have to do it this way or this way. And if not, I can't do it at all. Instead yeah, of totally. being open to the possibilities that there are other ways to do it. Like that was so profound to me when you said like, it's like a very linear, this is the only way it can be done. And yeah. so many times we see that yeah. with women and weight loss. It's like, well, if it's, if I can't, you know, if I'm not meal prepping, working out five days a week, hitting my steps, water, sleep, blah, 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 then I'm not doing anything at all. Totally. I know you could yeah. be getting all kinds of positive feedback, but you're going to disregard all of that and focus just on the, on the negative stuff, on all the problems. Yeah. It reminds me, I'm going to totally butcher the way it was said, but I, I think it was Einstein that said that you can't solve a problem at the same vibration that the, the problem exists. So if yeah. you, like, if you're feeling like there's no escape or only it has to be a certain way, like that mm-hmm. might be a really good indication that you're that you're in this maxed out state that you're talking about. Another physical thing I've noticed is when I'm pushing my tongue against the roof of my mouth, that's Mm -hmm. like a a good indication of like, Oh, bring in some mindfulness. So is that sort of, so, so you notice this, so you did the, so let's say we do this stress thermometer exercise and we notice we're kind of in that mid range more than we'd like to Mm -hmm. what, where, what do you, what do you do then? Yeah. And how do you even, how do you even find out what like zero, one and two look like? Like how, if you really feel like you've never maybe experienced calm, Mm -hmm. like how do you figure out what that baseline is? Cause I think a lot of times we live in a certain level of stress. And so this is like normal for us, right? Even if like, are we really meant to like live at a six all the time? And, but we've gotten so used to it. And then we pile things up on our six. And then all of a sudden it's like, like on my 10, I wrote, like what is 10 like look to me and it's like I'm going to lose my shit that's what 10 looks <laughs> yeah. like to me right and I've done that before I fully have like you know yelled at my kids. an adult tantrum yeah. yeah yeah completely and it's like so am I usually sitting at a six and then like I add a couple things and I hit a 10 or am I really truly at a one and then all of a sudden like one to ten like has do you get what I'm saying uh-huh. like yeah. how do you know yeah. if your if your fuse is shorter <laughs> then you're going to hit 10 way faster. Right? Totally. Yeah. Well, totally. I mean, and usually the fuse is shorter because you're like really out of five or six. Right. And yes. you're like, no, no, I'm at a zero. I'm not stressed, but <laughs> your baseline has just elevated. Like well, your five or six is your normal. And so you're like, no, no, I got this. And truly you do. I'm not, t- I'm not t- going around like saying like, everybody has a problem. You guys are all a mess. No, you've probably, you've adapted. Yeah. You've adapted, but I don't, I'm, what I would argue is that that adaptation may not be in your best interest. There's plenty of research out there that shows that, you know, long-term and chronic stress is not good for you. Like, and especially when it's doing things like impairing your sleep and, um, you know, like that is a big one. Like if you're not sleeping well, then you got to get that straight. But like, long-term stress is not good for you just because you can manage it does not mean that it's good for you. Okay. Go back, hit, hit that behind, go behind 15 seconds thing on your podcast right now. And now insert ultimate leanness for every time she said, she said, well, and also how about just the fact that like, you wonder why you struggle with your midsection. Yeah. It's like all your stress and your cortisol gets stored there. Totally. Like that is like, I'm, I'm like thinking about like, Oh, belly. Look at you. Oh my God. Like a six, six to eight all the time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, well, and another thing I remember when I was a kid, I saw my 
my uncle hit his head on the on a corner of a cupboard and he went to slam it shut and it bounced back open and hit him in the head (laughs) sometimes when I'm right at that level I think like could I could I if I hit my head on the cupboard right now like what would my reaction be and if it's like that's gonna send me over the edge I'm like Mm -hmm. "Mm." just if one thing goes wrong and you can't handle it that's an indication I think you're a little bit too high so okay I want to ask you this Lynn too So on the stress thermometer, I think somebody like me who has this history of being pretty high on the thermometer, I think part of me wants to think, oh, wouldn't it feel so good to be between level zero and three? (laughs) And I think on the one hand, it would at the same time. I have come to see for me, it is a different kind of discomfort to Uh choose to be to still. be in the zero to three. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God. So, so many good things. Okay. So I'm going to circle back to your original question about what do you do once you realize you're stressed? Oh my gosh. So, sorry. Yes. No, no, no. It's okay. And I'm going to, I'm going to actually hit a bunch of different points that are, that are all going to tie this together. So the goal is to always move down the scale towards that zero to three. But if you, some people, if, let me say it this way, if you have experienced chronic stress. And so you've been in that three, four five range day in, day out, or, um, maybe you have some trauma experiences under kind of priming the pump, right. In the system, your nervous system will become sensitized, meaning. So the stress response system, your nervous system is looking for threats inside of you and outside of you. It is a very adaptive, productive system, right? Like we want to be safe and this, our nervous system wants to keep us safe, help us stay alive. So it's looking for threats. But our threats can be that internal dialogue that we have, like, right? Like, oh, I'm not, I'm not uh, small enough. I don't have enough muscle mass on my body. Oh, look at this. People's judgments. People are judging me, right? And so that can be, that can be perceived by your nervous system as a threat, just like a bear attacking you. The mind is what gives it the context. The body just has a response. So if you've experienced stress after stress, after stress, after stress, the system, your nervous system is like, hey, this girl lives in a very dangerous world or man, whoever, or, you know, like whoever you are, this person lives in a world that is always under attack. So let's just have this heightened response because the response really is productive. The Yes, you do become more focused when you have an increased stress, right? So when you give me a deadline, I'm like, ah, like I am like, like head down, like getting my work done. But if my deadline's three weeks out, I'm like twirling in my freaking front yard, right? Like straight up. Oh my gosh. That's why we write our best papers the morning of yes, in college. You yes. wake up at like so, three in the morning, bang it out. Yeah, because it <laughs> like it, it increases that little bit of stress response system activation helps you become more alert, more focused. It helps you not be so distracted by your environment. The problem is people are like, I thrive there. And they're like kind of slowly inching up. And it's just like one drop after one drop after one drop. And it's like, Ah. are you really in alert anymore? And now your system is like, hey, I need to just stay. It's like a switch is turned on and you don't ever actually go back to calm. So we want a healthy stress response system or a healthy stress management practices would be you have the system is activated and then you deactivate it. You activate it, you deactivate it. So you have that elevated stress and then you move back to a calm state. Um, But many of us just stay in that stress. And so it is easier to jump up to like a a 10 because we're halfway there usually. Um, And we probably have patterns of behavior that support that. 
um, because that's how we've coped with it, right? Um, maladaptive or adaptive. So maladaptive is just coping that just doesn't work for us. Um, and there's varying degrees of how maladaptive things are. So the goal is to teach yourself how to be calm. Now, for many people, it is very uncomfortable. I was the same way, Heidi. Like sitting in meditation was so aggravating to me. When I first went back to yoga after my last son was born, I remember when at the end of yoga, we'll do Shavasana, which is like, you're just laying in corpse pose, like on your back, super still. And I was just looking around the room and I'm like, why are we wasting our time? (laughs) I have so many things I could do, right? Like I was just like, this is stupid. Um, And then fast forward three months later and I was so relaxed. I literally, you guys, I would wake up because my tongue would relax and would like cut off my air supply. So I was like, (laughs) and then I was like horrified that I was having that experience. And I was a girl who was like choking on her like own tongue in yoga. But it was, it was a progression. So a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't like meditation. They don't like to sit still because you haven't done it. Right. Like it's just an unfamiliar experience. And we don't like unfamiliar because unfamiliar often is a threat. And so we have to slowly build up. You can, I mean, you can just go like hardcore and be like, I'm going to meditate for 30 minutes a day. I'm going to sit in stillness. You can do that. And it's going to feel really agitating in the beginning, but you'll eventually get to a place where it's less agitating. And I think it's really, it really is a practice though. Cause it's like, you know, even like on like Fitbit sense, like there's like a breathing thing, right? Do you know that I can't even make it through the whole thing? I think it only lasts like three minutes. (laughs) Like about, I'm like, cause it's like, (laughs) put your hand over the head and like slowly breathe in and out. And I also am kind of realizing like, this is probably why I'm a mouth breather because to do nasal breathing requires me to be patient and to take Mm. the time to do it. But it's like, I mean, that's just like almost like too, it's like too much work. Right. But I yeah, have yeah. my hand over this thing and I keep pulling my hand off and I'm like, I'm supposed to have my eyes closed and like focusing on something and just like breathing gently. And it's like, I haven't even made it a minute. It's like, mm-hmm. this is our problem with meditation, right? People are like, Oh, that's only for people in the woo. Or that's only for people who are like, yeah. or like, I don't need to meditate. But in reality, some of the best sleep I've ever had was because I did those sleep mm-hmm. apps before. And but then part of you are like, I don't have time for that. And I think that's yeah. a lot of the problem. We like don't make time for the things that are actually going to make us less stressed to be able to have more yeah. capacity. In reality, we are the other way. Like I have, we went to do um, hot yoga, probably the only time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great uh-huh. though. It was amazing. Like, yeah. first of all, we dressed totally wrong. For Shout that. out Amity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I remember sitting there and I'm thinking, this must be exactly what it's like to be like really stoned or on the mountaintop, like <laughs> Buddha. Because it was such a weird, it was such a weird, calm, like yeah. clarity, mm-hmm. like, but also you're like, well, why don't you go do that more? It's like, because in my mind, I like, I want to be destroying things at CrossFit, but that's also part yep. of the problem. It's like CrossFit is such yep. a stressor too, mm-hmm. but yeah, we have this weird innate human desire to be like, this is more productive because it's more, yeah. it's more aggro. Right? Totally. We like to make things really complicated. Honestly, we love to like make things so complicated. And I think part of that comes with like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it comes with. I would say like, is it because of like ed- education or what? Like, are, I don't know, but we really like to complicate things. I can't tell you how many times I'm like, just breathe. Like, I'm like, I used to be super anxious. Now I'm like, and I'd like breathe. I remember when I, so same yoga class and lady was like, um, you should just send your breath down into your hip. Cause I had bursitis in my hip. And I told the instructor and she's like, you should just send your breath down into your hip. And I was like, this be like talking about. <laughs> 100% I'm like just send your breath down into the areas where you're experiencing the body um do you guys want to do like two minute little meditation and sure. see if people can feel like if that they can kind of get in touch with that calm feeling 
Uh, heck yes, we do. What? Okay. Yes. In two minutes? Heck yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it. Okay. So <laughs> just, this is going to teach so many things all at once, right? I know. Done anytime. Like Only it. takes a yeah. couple minutes. So if you're on your walk listening to this, just go sit on a bench. If you're driving, pull over. Walking meditation is a yeah. thing. No, no walking. Great. I love, yeah, I love a walking meditation. So before we get into this, because obviously I'm like, <laughs> and that's far from meditative. Um, so I love, so when people can't just sit still, I always teach, I'm like, okay, do a guided meditation with something so you can anchor to the sound, go for a walk. Just don't take your phone. Try not to go with somebody because then you're pulling your focus outside of yourself and towards that other person, but just go for a walk and like I'll focus on my feet. So I just focus on how my feet sort of hit the ground and roll from the heel to the ball, but you can bird watch, you can listen to sounds, whatever it is, that's going to give you that experience and make give you some time to just like tune into yourself, right? Totally. Like you can do it however you want. You could do, you could do some weightlifting stuff, but make it like slow and sort of thoughtful. You could do it that way. If that is sort of the bridge to slowing down a bit. So everybody right now who's like, I know my body so well, I don't need to do this. You need to do us anyways. <laughs> yep. Yes. Okay. So if you're driving, come back to this later or pull over. If you're walking, you can sit or you can continue on your walk, but if you are in a place where you can get seated and comfortably just find uh, some sort of position with your body, do that. I always like to close my eyes because it allows me to tune into myself and not um, have my focus on the world around me. That can be very distracting. And I want you to try to sit up nice and tall. So tilt your pelvis back, spine is nice and straight, shoulders are relaxed down. So notice if you are shrugging your ears up and if you're not really sure, shrug them up a little bit tighter, really tense your body and then allow them to fall. If you need to take any movements to get any sort of wiggles or restlessness out, you can. You can kind of shift and shimmy until you can arrive in stillness. And then I want you to take a couple deep breaths with me. So you're going to inhale through your nose. Open mouth, exhale. Do that two more times. This time as you inhale through your nose, see if you can breathe down into your belly. So let the belly get round and full and soft. Continue breathing up into the lungs, all the way up into the base of the throat. Pause in there. Try to hold it for roughly a count of three or four. Open mouth, exhale, long, slow release. Let's do that one more time. Inhale through the nose. Hold it. Open mouth, exhale. Okay, so I'm going to invite you to place one hand on your heart, the other hand on top of that hand. If you'd like to dip your chin down, sort of bowing your head and surrendering to this process, you're welcome to do so. And from this place, I want you to imagine you are walking through a forest. And you notice some trees and shrubs. And as these trees and shrubs begin to move out of the way, you see a clearing before you. And as you walk into this clearing, you find yourself settling into the space in a way that makes sense for you. And I want you to feel what's happening in your body right now. And then I want you to go back to this moment in time. And I want you to just really engage your senses. So everybody's experience here is going to be a little bit different. Only you know what you need. But I want you to allow whatever you need to happen so that way you feel calm, you feel relaxed. 
and allow the information coming into your senses to amplify. So maybe if the sun is shining down on you, it gets brighter and the warmth of it gets stronger on your skin. Maybe the imagery around you becomes more vivid. If you're there with another person, maybe you feel a stronger connection. And for the next couple rounds of breath, I want you to just take as much time as you need here to really settle into the space, allowing yourself to feel calm and relaxed, to allow this positive energy to flow through you. And then if you need a little more time here, then just pause the recording, take as much time as you need. But if you're ready to come out of it, feel free to say any goodbyes that need to be said or take a last glimpse, a last touch, taste. And then begin inviting some movement into your body and draw your awareness back to your breath, taking an inhale through the nose. Long, slow exhale. And you can begin blinking your eyes open, allowing them to wander around, not focusing on anything just yet. And then slowly sharpen your focus. Hi, how are you guys doing? Hi. Hi. That was cool. Do you feel, uh, <laughs> do you, do you feel calm? Yes, for sure. The craziest part is like I can actually feel the calm in my toes, which means yeah. I think I did it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So then you would go back to the thermometer, just write down what it feels like now. Right. And then as you bring in coping skills. So on the left side of the thermometer, I write down my coping skills. And if there's particular ones that I like that work better on that level of stress, then I'll write them kind of corresponding to like high, medium or low stress. But there's some that I just do no matter what, like walking is a good one for me regardless. Um, but really be conscious of what are the things that I'm going to do that are going to bring that feeling back to me. So how can I arrive at that feeling or something close to it? Um, I really like to think of that zero to three range. So the coping skills that are in that zero to three range as my daily self-care, what is it that I'm doing every day to take care of myself, to keep stress levels low? I am not getting massages every day. I'm not getting my nails done every day. I am getting a good night's sleep. I like to drink a lot of water. I try to eat as many vegetables as I can. I make sure that I get some social contact. I, you know, as a single mom, like I can get very alone. So I make sure that I reach out to friends. Um, I work out. I have some sort of mindfulness time. So whether it's meditation, time out in nature, I love to be out in nature. So that is something that I have to do daily. Um, I might journal, um, read. I love to read. So those music is huge for me. I love to listen to music. Those are all the things that I do daily. That is my daily self-care plan. If I can do like some other things that feel more indulgent and luxurious, great. I do them, but we should not be limited to self-care because of time, time and money. We have the time. It does not need to cost us anything. And it can feel indulgent still. Like I am obsessed with handmade soap. Every time I go anywhere, I always buy like the $8, the $10 soap that somebody made from that local community because I just love it when I take a shower. That is my indulgence, right? Some people are into like perfume or skin creams. Like that is very indulgent. Like yours, that is part of your daily self-care. It should feel that good. 
Above that is self-soothing. So uh, self-soothing is really the intention behind that. It could be the same exact activities, but the intention is to bring yourself down that scale. Love that. That's super Let's talk good. about self-soothing a little mm-hmm. bit if we have like a t- teeny little bit of time, because I think that that's something that we don't think about at all. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, we talk about, you know, who, how can you soothe yourself? How can you, you support yourself through like certain things that are like stressful or hard? It's like, what does that look like? We always think, oh, it's just self-care. But it's like, there's got to be like an element of like actually maybe like, practicing something with like verbal thought, verbal or thoughts or things like that. Like, how would you do that? Like how would self-soothing look? Um, so it's really person dependent. The hard thing about this is like, it's, I can't be like, well, you need to do this. And it's well, not like, sure, you're, sure. Oprah, right? like you get a, you get a cookbook, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. <laughs> but I mean, I'd love car. to give you guys all the car. Yeah. Cookbook. I'd love to. And a cookbook. Um, I'd like the car better than a cookbook. <laughs> so uh, things that, most people will benefit from is anything that has rhythm in it. So if you go for a walk, um, massage, either like getting a massage or self massage is really good. Swimming, bouncing a basketball, rocking in a chair. If you think about like how we were, how we soothe babies and how we were soothed as babies, right? Cause we were all babies. Those can give us pretty good indications because we're not going to rationalize with babies, right? So we're not asking them to engage their cortex. We're not like, think about why you're crying right now, little baby. Uh, are you hungry? Do you want something? Right? Like we don't do that. I mean, sometimes we do like new moms. You're just like, why are you crying? Please tell me, <laughs> but they're not going to respond. So we have to just try to soothe them in ways that we know how. So we're, we still have that same need. We just have to think of it in ways that are more, age appropriate, right? So rocking might be good, going for a walk, massage, touch, um, maybe hugs or hugs, squeezes. Yeah. Like all of that is really good. Um, connecting with people. So any sort of expressive or relational, um, activities is really good. Kind of hits that like midbrain, that limbic system. So that can be having a conversation with somebody, you know, phone, text, voicemail, or, um, video chat, it can be journaling to just write out what you're feeling. It can be art. If you're so inclined, I am not, that stresses me more out, but if like painting your feelings or mute playing music is like more of how you were to express yourself. Awesome. And then, um, our cortex is like top part of our brain is where we like reason, rationalize, think. And so to like plan, organize, think about things that we need to do. We really have to be well, well-regulated, say that three times fast. Um, <laughs> connect, flow, grow is well-regulated. That would be a mouthful. Uh, you have to be well-regulated first. So I would go rhythmic first, like any sort of like activity, breathing is a, you know, another one. Um, and then sort of think about layering on those other things. Oh, that's super good. Um, so how, and do this, whether you're feeling stressed or you're, feeling triggered? Is this oh, yeah, yeah. similar type, similar type? Uh, yeah. Great question. So people, we our stress response system will become activated, right? So depending it's varying degrees across a continuum. So if you have a tiny little stressor, then your stress response system will have a small little activation in relationship to the stressor. Um, so there is an activation of that system. Many of us become activated by things and, but we call it triggered because that word is just being thrown out in the media Mm -hmm. media triggered is truly a response or product of a trauma response. Um, and we usually have trauma responses because it's unresolved. So trauma is when you have a traumatic experience and what is traumatic to me cannot be traumatic to you. So there, it is very subjective, just like stress. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you have the memories are stored in fragments. So it's not this sort of like cohesive memory cap capsule, which is the part that's usually confusing to people. Um, sometimes you know exactly why you're being triggered. Um, the person in your life that says the one thing that is like a knife through the heart, right? Like, um, that can be it. When I was, uh, when I was 19, I like to tell this story. When I was 19, I hydroplaned across a freeway. It was raining, spun my car spun across like a four lane freeway. I wasn't hurt. My car was fine, but I was freaked out. Every time it rains now, I am triggered because the rain triggers this response in me that I feel like I'm going to spin out on the freeway again. I just don't, I probably need to take a defensive driving course and that would resolve that, that trigger, but I don't feel like I'm a good driver. And this is the story that I have, right? And so I don't like to drive in the rain. I like white knuckle the steering wheel. That is a true trigger. Let's say, for example, though, talking about trauma and how the the memories are sort of in fragments, there was a song playing on the radio. Uh, My favorite song is Otis Redding sitting on the dock of the bay. So let's say that song's on when I'm hydroplaning across the freeway. And now every time I hear that song, my body tenses or I like my heart stops, starts racing. It's because my, my nervous system, my stress response system, my brain has stored that piece of information of, whoa, this is, this is this sensory information that was occurring when this gnarly thing happened. So now every time I hear that song, my body is going to react as if that original trauma is happening. Does that make, is that making sense? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. So sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes it's not, which is why people get really confused, but essentially it's both stressors or these trauma triggers activate the stress response system. The goal is to move you towards safety. The system is designed to help you move towards safety. So a fight or flight response is in the truest sense, you're defending yourself or you're running away. There's lots of ways that it can look that are not you punching somebody in the face or you like running, (laughs) running away, but it still has that same essence. And a freeze is a shutting down again, to protect you from the pain of the experience because your brain has decided your nervous system, stress response system has decided there's nothing you can do in this. So that fight or flight is an, I can, the freeze or that shutdown is a, I can't, I can't like the only thing I can do is just kind of be protect protected. my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Protect my head. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so that's, that's sort of what it is. So a lot of people say like, Oh, I'm getting triggered. I'm like, uh, are you really like, tell me, I mean, and truly they could be because uh, there's a lot of people that have experienced some sort of traumatic event that they don't account for. Yeah. Whether it's like just attachment trauma, developmental trauma, relational trauma, there's there's something that has happened that has, is unresolved and um, they're carrying it with them on their day, daily lives. Wow, that's so helpful. <laughs> Great. Um, do you have, so as a, as a, like a, maybe a little homework assignment for Mm -hmm. um, any of our listeners to do. I mean, hopefully they did the meditation along with us in real time and are going to work on their stress thermometer. Do you have any other pieces of pieces of advice for them as they start down this or continue down this path of sort of building their self-awareness around being activated, being triggered, any of those types of things? Yeah. I mean, really it's just uh, the more, the more, in the more variety of ways and the more often that you can practice mindfulness, mindfulness can be sitting in meditation. It can be journaling. It could be working out, right? Like weightlifting can be a very mindful thing. And I say that because that's how we know each other. Yoga can be a very <laughs> mindful activity, walking, um, like you, like there's a lot of different ways to practice it. So the more that you do that, the more you're going to get to know yourself. It, it is a process. It's not like, 
It's not a one and done situation where you're just like, oh, okay, this is, I'm doing this because of all these things that happened to me. I'm 42 years old. I'm a therapist. And literally last year I went back to therapy because I kept, my body kept bracing every time I would have to have a hard conversation. I was like, wait, what is going on? Why am I doing this? It, it took me back to a trauma when I was three. And I'm not going to share what the trauma is not to be elusive, but it's just, it's a hard, I, 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 I want to protect the people that also share this story with me. Totally. We get it. Yeah. And I don't want to like, I don't want to trigger. I truly don't want to trigger anybody. So this memory that I have when I was three years old, I have spent my whole life telling people about, I'm like, Oh, this thing happened to me. This because I intellectualize it because I (sighs) have frozen. I froze in that moment. It was way too freaking big for a three-year-old to experience. And I didn't understand. I'd never felt that experience until I was 41. Yeah. First time I had my body shut down. I disassociated and I've spent my whole life in not my whole life, but I've had moments of dissociation throughout life because of that early experience. And I, but I was like, I can talk about it. I must be fine. It must not have impacted me. And that was furthest from the truth. I just had to do all the work leading up to it because that was the big one. And my body, it was not safe for me to experience that yet. Mm -hmm. I had to prepare myself in order to arrive there. I, it's, I thank you for sharing that. I think there's a huge difference between what we think we think and what we actually think and yeah. intellectualize, intellectualizing about your feelings is not the same. Unfortunately, as I yeah, have found out, it is not the same feelings. as processing your emotions, which is yeah. what you're talking about in this stress thermometer, which is such a brilliant activity with the, you know, what does it physically feel like sensations in your body and, and really trying to build your body awareness around the emotions that you're experiencing as well. It's so, so well done. And I, I agreed. It's like some people think, well, I mean, because your memories are stored, stored in fragments, you may not have a cohesive story and you may, you may, you know, you may have friends, siblings, parents, or whatever, who, who with the best of intentions may want to say, oh, well, that's not that big of a deal or look how strong you are or whatever. And it's not about throwing a pity party. It's about figuring out what is this, what, what is your story? And like Brene Brown says, once you, once you can identify it and own it, that's when you can be more authentic to who you really are and what you really need. Yep. Yeah. I think people really struggle because it's either they go like all emotions, right. Or they Mm -hmm. go all like logic and we need both. We need to have like both of those married together of like, how do I feel these things again? So I can have this expansive, beautiful human experience, but how can I use my logical mind to orient me to this, the current moment and recognize that this is not the same experience and that I have these tools at my disposal that are going to allow me to change the narrative that I'm creating. I mean, it's like point for point. It's like weightlifting is such a great parallel of this whole, of this whole experience, right? It's like, you could argue what you're teaching is resistance training, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. And that truly, like, if you want to, if you really want to build out your capacity to manage stress, right. And like, or to get like stronger, be, mm-hmm. to get stronger or to just be proactive and to have like, a, I always, I teach strat- stress as a strategy, like stress is going to happen. So you need to be able to acknowledge it, yes. be aware of it, and then have the tools to use it. Here's how you're going to do that. Um, and that, so that's like what my program's all about is let's get really strategic about it. And that's just what we all need to do. And so, yeah, weightlifting and like intense cardio, all these things that we do, like is building up our capacity. We're essentially saying, I'm going to, I'm going to bring stress into my life. I'm going to recognize it as good. I'm obsessed with a Huberman lab podcast and he's had some pretty good, uh, 
guests on there. I also want him to be my husband one day. So we can make that happen. <laughs> manifest that crap. <laughs> you guys, you guys have a much larger audience. If you guys can just like start a hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> that would not be creepy whatsoever. Um, but he had, he had this one, a guest on there that was really good. And she was, she was talking about, uh, I think her name was Alia. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Crumb. She talked about how mindset is really important and it truly is right. Like you guys know this, where mm-hmm. if you have a mindset that this is good for me, that is going to, you're going to have a different outcome than this is terrible for me. So mm-hmm. if you're like, I, I want to go and work out because there's the strain on my body is a worthy endeavor. It's a, it, the outcome is different than like, <sighs> Well, totally. I'm doing, I'm doing this because I have to, or because like the doctor told me to do it. Right. Like we're, or we're I hate myself with an invul- or I hate right. myself. Or I need to fix myself. Like, yeah, yeah. I, like, I totally agree. I mean, like, like you were empowered versus disempowered. Yes. Well, it's like you were saying before, again, with the the stress thermometer, I mean, if you're approaching your goals or your life or getting, you know, getting fit or losing weight or whatever it is, if you're looking at this process and it's like, one thing goes wrong or, you know, you hit your head on the cupboard and it's going to just send you, send you over the moon. That's an indication that you're, that, you know, we need to bring some mindfulness and some awareness into the practice because you're on the road for for burnout. Like it's the process. What is so some, some quote I saw, I was like, uh, a person who enjoys the walk is going to get there faster than the person who was only intent on the destination. I mean, you just got to enjoy the process. That's AKA, your life. Yeah. <laughs> yes. interesting is how you guys are talking to, I think about it even, you know, in my own life, like you guys are definitely world, more practiced and, and read than I am on it because I definitely live in the, like, I lived in the anti-woo for a little bit, but I realized that like, if I find yeah. myself like, it's come like, on, I don't come into the woo. I know, seriously. <laughs> I, I realized what I realized is that like, it's, it's not enough just to think these things. It's like to questioning, to question your thoughts and, and things surrounding them. And it's not even just that it's even one step further. It's like, well, where are they born from? Like, where does, mm-hmm. where does this come from? And I think, right. You know, as we're learning more and more about traumas, everyone thinks, oh, traumas are only reserved for people with really extreme things. It's like, it literally could be a trauma could be just that your mother always told you that like, Hey, you better watch what you eat or you're going to get fat. That could technically Um, be a trauma. Like, but I think people (laughs) don't think that they think that trauma is reserved for like really intensely severe things, which it is also. Right. But when I think about like, oh, I'm just really sensitive. It's like, are you really sensitive or are you stressed and on the brink of tears all the time because you are in a stressed out heightened state with traumas that you're not even aware of that you have? I, it's like, yeah. I, you know, and then we minimize, yes. oh, well, she's so sensitive. Like you can't say anything to her. or She's going to just like break down. It's like, oh, but why is she so sensitive? Because of these stressful yes. thoughts, which we don't sometimes yeah. question and think about. Exactly. And the thing that's crazy about it is, I mean, well, among all the other things, <laughs> is, that, yeah. is that if you're living in this nightmare where you believe this stressful thought you inherited of like, I've, I got to watch what I eat or I'll get fat. And that's a terrible thing. There's, is that even something that matches your values? Like if you don't ask behind that, then you don't know exactly even what you believe for You could be guiding your life around principles that you don't actually even really agree with. If you, if you zoomed out and, and question them for once. And as you've exposed, I'm sure with your clients and we have too, it's like, sometimes you find out that it's a guy in fourth grade. That's made one comment to you on the playground that all this has kind of been looming around. And it, has really nothing to do with like, you're not good enough. It's that you've had this belief, this formative belief since you were little because of one comment on the playground. Yeah. And instead of addressing the hurt and pain around that, you just took it on as a life rule or some, some sort of self-definition like, Oh, he said, my legs are cottage cheesy. So that is a belief I've carried to this point, as opposed to like having some 
compassion and self-love and, you know, about, about that experience. Yeah. Yeah. And when I work with people with with EFT, like one-to-one, it's always amazing the story, the places that they go back to. Mm. I mean, the subconscious is a beautiful place and they'll go back to like some memory that just seems so benign. And they're like, man, that was the thing. And I'm like, it's amazing. There might be more, there might be I mean, the string might go a little bit further, but that's where it's going right now. And so let's work through that one. Um, One of the things that I want to just touch on that you were talking about is like, get curious. It is such an antidote to criticism. Like really, really, I love the book with Oprah and Bruce Perry, What Happened to You? And like, we need to do way more of that of of for ourselves and for other people. Let's stop saying like, oh, that person's sensitive and be like, man, I wonder why they're sensitive. I wonder what happened to them. What's going on with them today? And the same, like offer ourselves that same sort of compassionate inquiry of, I I wonder what's going on with me. Why do I feel this way? You can do it in your journaling. You can do it with like, if you have a trusted friend who's going to give you solid feedback, right? You don't want the person Mm -hmm. that's like, no, it's okay. You're fine. You want the person to be like, huh, I actually, that is, that's a good question. I've noticed you do this, right? And who's going to give you some feedback that is useful, but curiosity solves, will, will not solves a lot of problems. Curiosity will help you arrive at potential problems. So then when you can, you can change it. Yeah. And even the simplest of thoughts, like, like, I mean, I think about like, even the question, like, does this make me look fat? It's like, you're asking somebody, but like, what are you really worried about? <clears throat> what are yeah. those thoughts really born from? Yeah. yeah. Nobody, yeah. nobody goes further than that. They're just like, Oh, and so of course we think, oh, they're like, oh no, that doesn't make you look fat. And then you, you either don't believe them, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> which you should ask yourself why you don't, or you do believe them. You should also ask why you do too. Like, yeah, because, yeah. Know, it's, it's like so interesting, but like, no, why is that even that. a fear? Why is that even a problem in the first place? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, where did this, that standard come from? And is it possible you're completely wrong about it? Yeah. Yeah. Oof, this was so, so good. good, Lynn. Oh, we're definitely so gonna have fun. to have, have you come back and teach us more of your connect flow grow ways. Okay. So yeah, tell everybody where to find you and talk. Okay. okay. Oh my gosh. I said it again. Someone messaged me. I was like, I love it. I said, pimp your podcast. And now, I can't, <laughs> now tell us where to find yeah. your program. Pimp your program, yo. Pimp your program. I love it. I mean, it's like very, what was exhibit, right? That MTV show, pimp, your, pimp my ride. Yes. Yeah. Pimp your program. That was such okay. a good show. That was a great show. I loved it. I'm not a car person, but that was a great show. Oh yeah. I mean, it was so much yeah. better than like, what's it called? Extreme makeover. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. Let's, let's get back to pimping your ride and your yeah. programs. <laughs> um, so you can find me what my website is, uh, com. So you can find my 21 day program on there. It's in English and Spanish. If you um, if you know people that need a uh, Spanish language, it's there. Um, and then I have another program. The, my original program for families is called Strengthening Connections, also in English and Spanish. Um, so those are both on my website. Um, there's a, We have a freebie library. So there's some cool stuff in there that just if you want to sort of DIY your stress management, the 21-day program is lined up from you start to finish. And it's like everything that I think you need to know as a foundational understanding of how to manage your emotions and navigate stress. Um, but if you're not ready for that, go into the freebie library and then coming up soon is we're launching self-care summer again, which is when that launches, it's, you get the 21 day program and then a bunch of fun bonus content from, um, collaborative collaborators on things like, um, cooking, nutrition, movement. Uh, I think we're doing breath work. I think sleep, some, uh, art stuff. So it should be really fun. 
Awesome. awesome. And then they can find you on Instagram as well. Oh yeah. I'm on Instagram too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's right. I'm on Instagram too. <laughs> <laughs> and TikTok. Right, I've been starting, I'm playing with TikTok a little bit more and I'm having fun with it. Oh, it's the best place ever. It's like it a really, really our is. people are there. I know. Sure. Seriously. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much. Self- Oof, you made it. The butter dish didn't melt your face. Thanks so much for hanging with us. If you enjoy that episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, share it to your social media, or leave a comment. That all really helps. So the kids say. <laughs> if you want to find us, you can find us at Instagram at Butter Your Macros. On the web at ButterYourMacros.com. Twitter and TikTok at What's Up Butters. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thanks.